Hey guys, welcome to the Seven Figure Box Show. This is Andrew Frezza, and I'm here with Coach Austin Bedigrew of Fit Town Jupiter joining me today. Um, so we want to talk today about the path to wealth and retirement as a coach, and really give you guys a framework, a long-term framework, and a financial framework for how you can think about starting to turn turn from just you know what you're doing as a job. Um, to actually being able to make this a real career that you can eventually retire from. And we'll talk about what retirement could mean. Um, so let's first kind of define like wealth and retirement and, and talk about those ideas because, you know, I think the, the traditional thoughts on those is really baked into society from corporate America of people that hate their jobs. So the idea of retiring is really for someone who, you know, is going to work at a corporation for 20, 30, 40 years, kind of be miserable going to work every day um, in the hopes of someday being able to amass enough money to not have to work and then be able to retire and do what they want to do. And I think kind of the new idea behind wealth and retirement is really about freedom of time and money and not necessarily getting to the point where you stop working but being able to choose what things you want to work on, not just a distance in the future, 10, 20 years out, but starting that today and then over time setting yourself up financially where if you do want to pull back on your work a little bit and have a little bit more freedom, you can, but you're doing what you love and the elusive retirement is something you never have to chase. Yeah, I I think people like, do they see retirement and like think sit on the beach, like drink margaritas all day and... Um, I think if you find like the career path you're actually passionate about, most people would say like, yeah, that's not something I could ever see myself doing, like completely giving it up. But what you can think about is like, hey, if I'm whatever, 60 years old and I don't want to coach group classes anymore, and instead of doing, you know, 18 a week, maybe I just do one or something like that, or maybe even less. But regardless, creating a system for you where your money essentially continues working well after you're done working, I think is the way to think about retirement in my eyes. Yeah, I, I mean, I told our coaches, I don't see anybody on our staff truly retiring. Um, you know, I, I think it's really good to like, spend some time actually diving deep and thinking about this. If you guys have never read the book, um, The 4-Hour Workweek, um, a lot of the stuff that I, I talk about in various episodes is reference based off that. Today's topic, we're gonna be talking a lot of about concepts from the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad as well, but he really kind of like breaks down your whole Mold, uh, mold and model of how you think about um, retiring and, and ultimately you know the same way you can think about wealth these things are all interrelated regardless of whether you have a hundred million dollars in the bank or um, you have you know a million dollars or ten thousand dollars it doesn't matter what you have you might be in debt you still have to figure out I have 24 hours in a day and how am I going to use that time and how am I going to use that time in a way that fulfills me, brings me joy, gets me excited to live each day. And ultimately, if if money does not affect your time in a positive way, then there's no reason to have that money. So if you can start today, even without money, working on things that you love and enjoy, then you don't really need money to get you to do something else if you're already doing what you love. So I wanna start from this framework of like, if you can find what you love and line that up, then Yes, we still are going to give you, and that's what this episode's about, we're still going to give you the tools to where you're never going to have to rely on that work to make you money, but it starts from this place of finding the thing that you love that makes you money, so that way it's never dreading what you have to do to get that money. 
So the framework that we're gonna give you, like I said, this is from Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We're gonna give you two, two key frameworks. The first one is kind of the four different um, sort of career categories you could fall into. He calls it like the cash flow quadrant. And then the second one is the difference between like an asset and a liability and break these down pretty simply for you guys. So the cash flow quadrant is kind of broken up into an employee, a self-employed person, a business owner, and an investor. Okay, and we're not, you guys are listening to this, even if you're watching the video, we don't, we're not drawing this out. But on the left side of this quadrant, you have the employee and the self-employed person. Or another way to think of the self-employed person in today's society would be like the freelancer. On this side of the quadrant, these are people that are always having to trade time for money. Okay, so in order for them to make any type of income, they have to work an hour to make that income. And that income could be extremely high. You have lawyers out there that have hourly rates of you know, $400 an hour, $600 an hour, $1,000 an hour or more. So they could be making a lot of money for an hour of their time, but they still need to put in an hour of their time to make any bit of that money, regardless of how much that is. So it's really important to notice this trend of I'm trading time for money. Now, when we get to the other side of the quadrant and where you become either a business owner or investor, then that gives us the opportunity to potentially, not always guaranteed, but potentially make time without it being directly, or make money without it being directly associated to the time that we put in. And what we see in our space though, is there's a lot of gym owners out there that think they're business owners, but if you actually broke it down, they fall more in the self-employed category because they're constantly trading time for money. Yeah, I think um, one, I think I'm actually the perfect example of that. From um, before um, before I came to Fittown, I was a gym owner. Um, I'm using the word owner very lightly <laughs> because I think I spent most of my time as a coach or more of like the freelancer type coach. Where, um, like Drew was saying, any time I I spent was giving up my time to then make my money. And then I think the biggest mistake that most people make um, is and I know you've talked about this a ton, is like I was the last to be paid. So I was almost like the business like last last little expense that it had, even though I should have been almost the most important thing. Mm-hmm. I should have paid myself first and then figured it out from there. Um, but that's not the way I approached it. So I would have never been able to get to the other side of the quadrant um, in, the, in the way, the direction we were trending. Maybe over time we could have because we had just brought on another coach. We were starting to trend in a little bit different direction before we decided to sell or got a good offer to sell. Um, but still, I think a lot of people think like, oh, like I'm, I'm now on this, this business owner side. And it's like, could you actually take yourself out of the business? And if you did, what would happen? And if you asked me that question, you know, when we were running the gym, it's like, well, nothing would have happened. The gym would have been closed that day. Like yeah. no one would have been there. There'd been no one coaching classes, no PT sessions going on. Um, so I think until you really can say that for yourself, you're still on the left side of this quadrant um, in this like self-employed or employee section. Um, and I think for me, um, the thing I really want to get across is it's not like, it's not a negative, like you were saying, to be an employee. You just have to understand that you are trading your time for money exactly. and you have to be 100% okay with that. And like like we've talked about, like if you're passionate about it, it's not, it's not that big of a trade, really. Um, so for me to trade an hour of my time for a PT session that I truly enjoy doing and make good money from doing it, like that's a win-win for me. 
Um, now, if you're someone who's stuck in a, a bad situation, or, or maybe you're you're not getting the hourly wage you, you should, we'll talk about things you can negotiate later on. But I think that's a bit a good place to start of um, finding out exactly what you need to make happen to make that employee, uh, I guess, bubble you could say, look positive instead of like a negative. And I think that's why most coaches think the only way I can make a profit or a living doing this is becoming a business right. owner and I would say that's almost the furthest thing from the truth I actually um, I was actually talking to Dr. Sean Pastouge I actually make more now as an employee than I did as the the business owner you could say yeah once you start to take this leap into the the business owner self-employed and you're in this gray area where you're not really sure where you are it's a lot of risk because I'll give you another example um, my wife and I started a food company, Nikki's Coconut Butter, right around the same time that we started the gym, and it became more more her baby than mine, and I, was, I shifted my focus to the gym. But she worked a ton on that, and she would often work a 50 or 60 hour week and not make any money in return. Mm -hmm. Or in some weeks, you work that hard and you actually lose money because you don't make enough sales or something happens, you know, maybe you ought to recall some products, like something happens, you actually lose money. So. What's what the nice part about an employee is that you have a guaranteed income that comes with it. And now she's actually doing more freelance work where she sets an hourly rate, she tracks, she does time tracking. Mm -hmm. So like one of the most fulfilling parts for her, especially as a mom who's so busy, is when she puts an hour, she gets paid for that hour and she's she knows she's gonna get paid for that hour that she puts in. So it's it's there's a lot of benefits to being an employee. Now Generally, what you trade off with an employee is freedom. Yeah. You, you lose a little bit of that. And that's where um, being more in this kind of freelancer realm is where a lot of people are drawn to now because it's like, all right, I, I get the benefits of being an employee, which is I get paid for the work I put in, but I get the freedom to kind of work when I want and how I want. And we kind of try to give our coaches mm -hmm. that little bit of flexibility so they're more in that freelancer realm versus just like a pure employee where it's like it's a completely set schedule that you have to fall into. Yeah, I would say here um, the way we would do it is essentially like two to three hours out of in five days a week, I would say you are an employee. You have two to three group classes that you do on a set schedule and um, those times don't really shift. So I'd say that's where you essentially lose a little bit of your freedom. But any of the other time, you're essentially a freelancer because you schedule your PTs when you want to schedule mm -hmm. them. Um, you schedule as many as you want to schedule, and you are really up to that. I mean, um, and then as far as like any extra duties that we have, like programming things like that, like yeah, I guess you could say that's kind of an employee thing. But at the same time, I, I can do that whenever I need to. So if I want to do that, you know, in a set schedule, that's fine. If I want to do it at home by myself, that's fine. So I think as a coach, for the most part, we kind of jump back and forth between those. Whereas like, I think if it's like a PT only type gym, you're definitely more on the freelancer side in my opinion, because right. you essentially set your schedule on how many hours you want to work in the day and how many hours you're actually willing to trade for the money you need to make. Um, whereas we're kind of the hybrid of, we have both. So I'd say there is a little bit of that just strictly employee uh, portion of it where we do have you know group classes and meetings and things like that that are just set in their schedule right away and i think it's the best of both worlds because yeah. i know a lot of like um graphic designers out there people that do like wedding photography and they can go on these really hot streaks where they're completely booked and they're making a lot of money and it's great but then they have these these down streaks where they have to go back to uh, a lot of sales mm -hmm. and building that book of business back up and and in those moments they're not 
able to get paid for the time that they're putting in because they're trying to plant those seeds again. So it's nice to kind of have, all right, I have this guaranteed money that kind of falls under this employee, but then I have the ability to make more as more of this kind of freelancing style. Um, so we want to talk about like, again, there's nothing wrong with being an employee, especially if you love what you're doing every day. So that's kind of step one. And then step two is, all right, what are some of the things that we can do to make it so, yes, we love what we're doing, but we're not, we don't have to be 100% married to 40 to 50 hours a week for the rest of our lives. And we have the ability to taper down or even retire because we're not saying retirement's a bad thing. We're just saying evaluate it for you. Um, but we want you to give, we want you to have the opportunity to be able to do that in the future. So some things you can do is start to work on increasing your hourly rate today. So make more money for the hours that you can put in so you can put some money away. And then that goes into um, trying to take on some investments, automating your finances. So you have a system behind um, saving and investing. And so you're not just, you know, most people manage their money just based on, okay, this is what's in my bank account. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna try not to spend everything this mm -hmm. month or not go into debt this month. And um, there's ways to start to affect that. So I know you've done a good job of starting to increase your hourly rate mm -hmm. in that sense. How do you think about that? Um, I, yeah, so like I said, there, there's kind of two pieces that we, we bring on here. Like I, I can increase my hourly um, group class rate, which is fine. Um, and I can make minimal improvements there, right? Or I can make myself more valuable to other higher paying clients, like one-on-one -on -one personal training. And then I pretty much the, the ceiling is nonstop. I can go as high as I want to, and I'm willing to go as far as trading time for that. So if I'm willing to put in more time, which as of recently, I've been putting in a lot of time because I, I just want to see where I can take this. Like um, you're basically setting yourself up to make as much as you want to make. But I still don't think that creates like the long-term plan. I think that's where you have to start um, reading more, learning more, talking to more professionals about like saving, investing, and things like that to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I think for me it's how can I maximize the amount of money I can make on one hour is, yeah. is how I kind of look at it now. And I think that's a good place to start because it doesn't matter it doesn't matter, it's really hard to make adjustments to your lifestyle, right? Like. Obviously, we, there's people that live very extravagant lifestyles, but like realistically in the coaching field, most people are not living very extravagantly. And for them to cut out, you know, two coffees a week or to cut out, you know, the one meal out a week or try to spend, you know, less on groceries by getting regular beef instead of grass-fed beef, it's probably not gonna move the needle. Whereas if you can get yourself charging, going from charging $50 a session to $100 a session on 20 sessions a week, that's going to more than make up for any amount you would save on on lattes uh yeah it's funny i, I have that conversation a lot with clients who give me crap they're like i can't believe you're wasting like four dollars a day on your coffee and i'm like <laughs> like you're talking about right now like a hundred dollar a month problem versus like i'm thinking about like tens of thousands of dollars right. like long-term problem not problems but that's where i'm thinking and me taking out four dollars a day or it's not four dollars a day but if it was four dollars a day like hundred bucks a month or whatever like that's that's not the issue like there's there's more bigger problems or things you can do to move the needle and make more wealth long term yeah and, and we'll get late we'll get on later to assets and liabilities and and talking about where something like a car could be that forty thousand dollar problem that people overspend and usually something like that is where you need to be smarter versus 
um, the coffees and things like that. But starting with increasing your hourly rate is, is a great place to do it. Um, I wanna share an example for you guys because we gave you guys the quadrant, but I wanna talk about how you could potentially navigate this quadrant. So again, it's employee and self-employed are the time, the time for money trades, and then business owner investor are the ones where you're not trading time for money. Now, a lot of, you don't have to hit all four. And the example I wanna share is actually my uncle who uh, worked for Dell for many years and he was a sales rep for Dell during the heyday of, of Windows. Like this was really before the iPhone and Apple really became what it was. And um, you know, he was an incredible salesperson and he uh, was able to retire in his 40s from doing sales. But the reason he was able to do that was because he earned stock options and then any money that he uh, gained on top of his kind of lifestyle, he would put into more Dell stock and other stocks. So he kind of went from employee to investor. He never had to be self-employed. He never had to be a freelancer. He never had to be a business owner. He was able to just navigate the employee and investor quadrants to be able to retire and now live the way he wants to live. And he was a coach for his three kids and most of their sports teams. He now is very competitive with um, cycling. So he'll go out for two and three hour rides every day. So he's not stagnant and he still is actually an investor. He still has brought in the stocks and companies that he invests in. So realize that there's a mechanism out there. There's a way for you to have ownership in some of the best companies in the world via the stock market and you you know having starting to learn about that or starting to uh, talk to people who know about that and and starting that process is a good thing because you're going to be able to facilitate your way to navigating out of this time for money trade so i wanted to talk ask you austin a little bit about how you automate your finances because i know you're pretty OCD with stuff like this and pretty good with it, even though we, we've talked about ways that you can improve this, but I think you're already doing kind of step one, which is automated. So you're not, you're not managing your bank account just based on what's there every month. So how do you do that? Yeah. So, um, well, I guess step one is we get, we get a deposit. So we get an automated deposit from our bank or from our, um, check every two weeks. Um, as soon as it hits my account, it's already going different places. So I, I rarely check that account. I just check it every once in a while just to make sure like no frauds happen or anything like that. But for the most part, I already know all the money is doing what it needs to do from that point. But I really have like three streams uh, that it goes to um, right now. And then after talking to you, I'm trying to add a fourth stream, which we'll get into. But um, right now I just have, it goes to my typical savings account. Um, my savings account, which we don't really have to get into, but I have that broken down even. Um, so once a portion of my paycheck goes to the savings, it gets broken into the categories I want it to be broken into. Um, the second one is just the typical Roth IRA account, um, just the long-term account where it just kind of slowly builds upon itself. Mm -hmm. And then the next one is um, we had a daughter this year, so we have her college fund. Um, and it's, it's a similar type account to the IRA account where it basically grows on itself slowly over time. Um, but yeah, those right now are the three categories that um, my money goes to as soon as it hits my bank account. And then um, from that point, like what we talked about yesterday in our meeting, and then like what I'm trying to take the next step on is um, investing more of my money to make more money, essentially. I want my money to be able to work for me. Um, right now, I the way I look at my money is it's almost like a safety blanket for me. Like if yeah. something were to go wrong, 
Um, I have, you know, my savings account or I have that long-term money of like the retirement fund essentially. Um, no one's set up for education later on, but there's really no money making happening beyond that point. Mm -hmm. It's just, I would have to work more to make more, yeah. um, which is why I'm trying to open up this, this fourth stream of investing, getting into the stock market and things like that. So, yeah. And you, yeah. you know, you don't have to be an expert in this stuff. I think it's important to, you know, you could kind of like, I mean, we can maybe do a whole another episode <laughs> on stock stocks and things like that but you know even if you just kind of go into some of the big names like amazon and apple and tesla like austin's 26 years old if he believes that these companies are going to be worth more 20 years from now than they are today then that could be a good use of your your money in these areas mm -hmm. so it could be as simple as that um and and again you're not trying to uh, necessarily become a full-time investor, but you don't, you've got to realize that cash just sitting there is losing value. And that if you can, you know, you want to think of it as you're taking ownership in the best companies in the world. So if it's valuable to, for you to have ownership in, in, in an Amazon and you think that's going to be worth more, uh, which I think it will be in 10 or 20 years from now than it is today, then that could be a good spot for your money. Um, so I want to talk about assets and liabilities. This is another big concept from Rich Dad Poor Dad. And um, when you ask the most people, what is their biggest asset that they have? Most people, if they own a house, they're going to say their house. Um, if they don't own a house, they're going to say their car is usually the biggest asset that they have. And as, as they define it in Rich Dad Poor Dad, and what you guys need to understand if you want any chance of retiring in the future is that assets are things that generate cash for you on a regular basis so if you think about your car it might be a valuable thing it might have a high resale value but if you think about what your car gives you or costs you every month it's usually taking money out of your pocket you usually have a monthly payment but even if it's free and clear you know you pay for gas you pay for insurance you might pay for uh, maintenance here and there on that thing so you could be losing four or five hundred, six hundred dollars a month on your car. It's getting pulled out of your bank account. So that thing, yes, it's valuable, but it is a liability. It's taking that cash from you every single month. Same thing with a house. You could be gaining equity in a house where 30 years from now you have it paid off and you have this, this thing, but it's still taking, if you have a mortgage of $1,500 a month, it's still taking $1,500 out of your pocket. Now, if you have that same house as a rental property, and instead of a $1,500 mortgage you pay each month, you now have someone else paying you $1,800 a month to rent that house out. Now you have $300 of cash flow that's coming into your bank account every single month. Um, so you may not want to get into real estate, and I'm not encouraging you guys necessarily to get into real estate, but if you are into an investment account, most people are going to do some kind of investment account. If you accumulate enough money in there and that thing has a 5% rate of return, if you can live off that 5%, whatever that is, you're living off the cash flow that it's giving out every single month rather than having to trade your time for money. Okay, so so starting that process of investing can really go a long way in that regard. Yeah, if I had anything to add there, it would just be, and I think the thing we get the most is like, well, I don't really make enough to invest. And I would just, I would just push you guys to start with very small amounts but to start nonetheless i think people are scared to give up like like even starting like something as simple as like a roth ira like you really only need like 20 i think 25 is like the minimum maybe even smaller yeah like you just you just need to start somewhere and don't be afraid to start because if you just keep saying that you're never going to start in the first place yeah 
Yeah, and once you start, if you do start investing in like individual stocks, once you start, you're gonna start to learn more about them. It's gonna be your incentive to learn more. The example I shared in our meeting, which is always a powerful example for me, is like, you, we're all consumers. Had we, instead of consuming that product, put that money into that company's stock, it would be worth so much more. So like iPhone is the easy example. If we would have, instead of buying a $500 iPhone, even just as soon as five years ago, that $500 iPhone would be worth three grand today in, in stock. So if you would have bought that $500 in stock instead of buying the iPhone, you'd have three grand instead of the old iPhone that you don't have. And obviously you have to have a phone and things like that. Um, but even like just, just looking back at some of the history of some of these companies like Amazon and Apple and Tesla, if you look back, it's like, wow, it's very powerful to see of like, okay, if I would have put that little bit of money, it could be worth a lot today. And then it compounds. And that's what you, a lot of coaches, a lot of coaches out there are young. You guys have time on your side and you, you don't, you don't really fully grasp what can happen in exponential growth or compounding growth over the course of 10, 20, 30, 40 years because it's such a slow amount to start. But if you start that process, it's it's unfathomable to know where that money's gonna be um, 30, 40 years from now. So do you have anything else that you wanna add, Austin? I don't think so. Cool, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. If you guys have more questions on this, or if you guys just find this interesting, it's a little bit off topic for us, um, but I think it's one of the most important things that you guys can be thinking about today. So that way you can keep doing what you love and then not be not be forced to do it even when you want to be able to have more freedom and of time and money later in life. So um, thanks for joining us today. Uh, if you guys wanna come be a part of our immersion this year, we have a few dates available. We just added an April date and you can come spend a few days with us, learning from us, getting your one-on-one -on -one questions answered, experiencing our classes, seeing the ins and outs of our team. Um, that's at sevenfigurebox.com slash immersion. So thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next one.